Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Well, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Uh, Live from my li- basement, part two. Part two. We're still here. <laughs> we're still here. We, after the last one, we were like, let's keep rolling. And yeah. uh, we did some reading ahead of time. So we're just going to we're gonna do another episode from Seth's basement. It's now 1038 at night. <laughs> we're so strong. <laughs> what, what do you... When you guys think about what we do for fun, uh-huh. this, this is, is it. it. Our, this is our it. wives are out in the town. Yeah, they're having fun, uh-huh. enjoying each other's company. My kids are asleep, and Dave and I are like, you know what would be we, a we, blast? Let's go to the basement and talk about numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, that's what we wanted to do tonight. Yes, <laughs> that's did. our fun. And then we're going to go play Super Smash Brothers. That'll be great. <laughs> this is our night. <laughs> but this is fun. And so um, we just talked about Balaam and... Yep. Um, and everything that happened there with this donkey and with the curses and blessings. How Balak is Pharaoh. Go back and listen. Yeah. I a lot of crazy that. things. I love that episode. Yes. And so now um, we kind of jump off the mountain up in the in the top view with, with Balaam and we're back in Israel. So it's kind yeah. of this... This crazy God blesses Israel yeah. from the from the mountaintop, yep. and as you go back in, they're still grumbling, complaining, and disobeying. Yep. It, it it kind of feels like whiplash. You had like, oh man, there's a star and scepter going to come out of Jacob, and they're so blessed, and they're so numerous, and they're so mighty, and God loves them so much. And then immediately they are doing like the one thing that God continually tells them not to do in the Torah. Verse three. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. They are worshiping false gods and false idols, like just like they did back at the beginning of the wilderness wanderings. Yes, like ex- exactly right. The same thing. Yes, and there's going to be some parallels with the golden calf story. So that's good that you brought that up because that is yep. something that's going to be happening here. And even to add to just the craziness of this, it's Balaam who just prophesied the blessings over mm-hmm. Israel who's responsible for leading Israel to worship these false gods. Right. Numbers 31, 16 uh, tells us that Balaam is responsible for right. all that we're reading one chapter after the Holy <laughs> Spirit fills him and he prophesies Jesus Christ yep. coming. <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to think about that? I, I've not I've not really thought, I've kind of always viewed that as just a, I don't know, like an irony or uh, some kind of poetic twist on the story. God uses asses. Yeah, that God yeah, uses like, like that's the, donkeys. Yeah, right. That God uses donkeys in order to bring about His purpose. That that Balaam wasn't the the consummate servant of the Lord. Right. He was a self righteous uh, pagan who followed his own pocketbook and hubris. 
And he was like, oh, well, that's where the blessing is. So those are going to be my people. And so he goes and dwells with them and ends up leaving, leading them astray. Yeah. But what's interesting, think about this. So, so this is the last story that we're going to come to in Numbers where the old generation is punished. This is where the dwindling numbers of the older generation are finally done away with. After this story, there are no, no one left. From, there's no one left from the older generation other than the two men who said they should enter Canaan. Yeah, uh, Caleb, and, Caleb and Joshua. Uh, and Joshua. Right. And so um, think about this. So um, God used Balaam, right, uh, to, to kind of like bless Israel uh, despite Balak's wishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he used his donkey, if you will, <laughs> to like right, right, to right. accomplish his purpose and, 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 bless, and bless Israel. But here he's using Balaam again, but to lead the rest of the old generation astray. Which yeah. is also part of something he promised and part of his purposes. Right. One of the things that you're... We're, chapter 25, 26 mm-hmm. is I think like 70 verses long. Oh, yes. And it's just showing the new numbers of the new generation. That's right. And it just ends. That, and it says the old generation passed away yep. except for Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb. Yep. And it should remind you that God is faithful to his promises. He promised this yeah. would come about 40 years ago. Right. And it's a, happened exactly like he said. Right. God has punished the old generation and has prepared the, the the promised land for the new generation. Right. And I mean, since you're talking about it, I mean, that's kind of an interesting statement to say. You said God is always true to his promises, which it sounds like a really positive statement. Right. But he promised judgment <laughs> yeah. here. And you're saying he's good on that promise. Right. Which should really be a sobering reminder to us about some of the things we read um, Jesus saying about the coming judgment, right? That there will be this right. place with weeping and gnashing of teeth, that there will be a banquet and its doors will one day shut and be locked and people won't be allowed to enter in, that Jesus will come and there will be a sword that comes out of his mouth by which he judges the nations. And I'm just thinking, it's yeah. like, those are promises from God and he'll be right. true to them. Or even just simply, bef- like even before the last day, like God said that he would punish the wrongdoer. Right. And he must be faithful to, to his word, to, to that word. Mm-hmm. And so in Israel, we see that worked out by the old generation. He's like, God said he would punish Israel for mm-hmm. their sins, but he also promised that they would be, that they would last forever. That there oh, would be right. Come, come from he them, has to hold they, both like, of those promises to, true. And the way that he holds that true in numbers mm-hmm. is by the old generation passing away, but sparing the new generation. Right. How he does that for us in Jesus is that Jesus is... God still punishes Israel, right. yes, but in Jesus, in Jesus, fully, our older brother, our older brother, the new, the oh. next generation, yeah, but in such a way that all brothers after him mm-hmm. walk free, yes. So like he still does both, right? Anyway, as Romans says, he's the just and justifier. Yes, he's been just by punishing Jesus, therefore upholding his word that he's serious about punishment. But he's also the justifier and extending a blessing to those who deserve a curse. Yes, and yeah. we've already fast forward to the very end of we the have point. but it's too beautiful <laughs> not to like, talk about okay like... so here we have uh the israel is still in their cycle of sin and they have yoked themselves to Baal. they this false god uh who is the spiritual being over this land called peor right is that the deal i think that's the deal okay and I believe um you. okay <laughs> I'm glad. It says Baal, Baal Peor. So. Okay, so it sounds it sounds right. And Peor. so so the Lord comes to Moses and he says, "Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, 
that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Did you mention why this is happening? Because they've worshipped other gods. They worship other gods. Yes, right, yeah. Yes, yes, Baal yes, yes. Peor. Right. Uh, yeah. the, the real only reason I was mentioning that is it's mixed in with this whole conversation about intermarriage. Oh, yes. Intermarrying other women. The Hebrew men intermarrying other women. Yes. But I think you're right to gloss over that because the point isn't that interracial marriage is bad. Right. The point is that false worship is bad. Right. It was and that marriages mm-hmm. with foreign women always lead to, to false the men worship. compromising their yes. beliefs. That's right. And worshiping other gods. That's right. It, the end of intermarriage wasn't the problem. It was that God knew that intermarriage with these other countries were going to be a means to a, a bad end. Right. Right. And there's examples all throughout Scripture oh, yes. of interracial marriages yes. that work. That work. Inter- yeah. yeah. So uh, even we talked about one even with Moses. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so um, and so God says, I want you to take these people who have gone and allowed. So He wants them to take the chiefs, the representative heads mm-hmm. of the people who have gone and worshipped Baal. I want you to take them. I want you to hang them out in the sun before the Lord. Now, this is this this is supposed to remind us of um, this vertical pole is what he's talking about, okay. I believe. And, and and like this is debated. It's hard to know. It's an obscure Hebrew word, but most people believe that it is this uh, kind of a pole with a spike, and you would kind of impale people on these spikes, and they would die out okay. in fields. Okay, and um. Uh, just just as a as a note, this is the the same kind of spike that the Romans would then take and put a crossbeam over, okay, and stretch would, people. would okay, become okay, a cross. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of a similar thing that's happening here, um, and it's kind of the same thing that's referenced in Deuteronomy that's talked about when it says that cursed is anyone who's hanged on a tree. It's this kind of brutality and right. and execution that's being referenced. Okay. Which the New Testament picks up and points us to Jesus and his cross. So I just okay. want to like make that connection yeah, yeah. for us here. Right. And then it says But because uh, it says if if they're if you hang them out and put them on these stakes, then the anger of the Lord will be turned away from the people of Israel. Right? So right. Israel has gone and they have worshipped false gods and they've incurred the wrath of God upon them. But if they take the representative heads of their people and hang them on a tree, God's wrath will be turned away. Yeah. Thus, <laughs> verse verse eight, thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Well, that's actually, sorry, that's actually yeah. Phineas. Yeah, no, we can't get there yet. Yeah, sorry, we sorry, can't sorry. get there yet. But this is the promise of God. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, this should definitely show us a picture of the gospel. You have right. the representative head of the whole human race now, not right. just one one tribe or one people group, but of the whole human race, the new Adam, Jesus Christ, going on a tree and dying, even though he didn't deserve to, right. in order to turn back the wrath of God that we have earned for worshiping all of our false gods, idols, right. and sin. Do you think that meant that necessarily the representative heads were involved in Baal worship? I don't think it has to. But they, they were held responsible for it. They were held responsible for the people that they were supposed to lead. That's right. So Jesus, as our leader, mm-hmm. takes responsibility for things that we were yep, supposed to do. That he did not do. That he didn't do. Ex- yeah, but exactly right. becomes sin for us. He, right. He embodies the punishment for us. Yes. So that we can go free. Yep. So that the, uh, so let's use the exact language of the text. So that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's part of the gospel. Right. That the fear saying the Lord was towards us because he is good on his promises, even yeah. the ones about punishment to come and bring that against us. And he doesn't. Yeah. 
because someone else and unlike died these, on a tree. these representative heads were done did this unwillingly mm-hmm. but jesus did it willingly willingly knowing mm-hmm. that he was our leader Yep. takes the responsibility for passing over God's like to yes placating God's and, and you said something there that yeah. that betray it does exactly what you're supposed to do as a reader of numbers what? so we're used to God coming to Moses telling him to do something and then Moses doing it and so you said these people went and did this thing they didn't right Moses and the chiefs don't obey this command there's no record of the people actually obeying what God said here and in fact um, uh, something worse happens. Uh, a Midianite woman and his family uh, come into the sight of Moses, the congregation, and the tent of meeting. So that problem of intermarriage and false yeah. gods. So basically, maybe the ringleader or like right. a representative yeah. instead of instead of someone coming and representing the people of Israel to turn away the wrath of God, someone comes and represents why the wrath of God is there to begin with. You have okay. an intermarriage couple who has been worshiping a false god. They come into the center of the camp to Moses and to the tent of meeting. And they're just standing there, kind of rubbing their sin in the face of God. And no one is doing anything. Right. Moses it, it, Moses doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. Which is why this new character, Phineas. Yes. Who is the son of... Of the new priest. Right. Eleazar. Eleazar. Who is the son of Aaron. Right. Right. Who's already passed away. Who's already it's... passed away. He does something. He takes a spear in his hand and goes after the man and the woman and pierces them both through the belly. So he does. He he puts on a stake. He obeys. The he obeys of, the command of God. He obeys the command of God. Right. When Moses would not. When Moses would not. And so what we have here is an inversion of the story of the golden calf. Okay. Because Aaron, his grandfather, right? The people came to him and said, "Build us an idol. Give us right. a false god like Baal to worship." Right, right, right. And he did. And then they were they were killed as yeah. a punishment. Here, instead of, of going along with the idol worship and the false god worship, the grandson of Aaron instead stops the punishment from coming by putting to death those mm. doing the idol worship. Right. And so he so is... The, so you're, you're right. So it bookends. Uh-huh. Another, it's another bookend. It's another bookend. And what it's supposed to show us is, is the that new the new generation is going to be better than the old generation. Yes. The new generation is going to obey where the old generation disobeyed. Although verse 9 is ominous. Nevertheless, <laughs> those who died by the plague were 24,000. Right. This is the first verse that mentions a plague. But throughout um, the, the book of Numbers and even in Exodus, when God's judgment breaks out, it's described as a plague. Right. And so like when there's this mass disobedient, God's judgment falls. And until something's done to intercede for that judgment... Uh, People keep dying. Right. So in the meantime, between God pronouncing the judgment and oh, Phineas, you mean the first time in this passage in that this there's passage. a plague going on. Right, I understand. Right. So, yeah. right. so when God says this has happened, you must kill these people. Right. There's a plague going on right Moses now. Moses is abdicating his responsibility uh-huh. during that time period. Instead of going and standing between life and death like right. Aaron did, he he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. And during that time, twenty four thousand people die until Phineas mm-hmm. does what the Lord commands. Right. So. That's that's what's going on here. Uh, there's something else going on that I want to point out. So um, I learned this from N.T. Wright, who's a famous New Testament scholar. Yes, yes. Um, and I think this was the day the revolution began. Okay. I can't remember. Uh, one of his more popular level, level books. Um, and he talked about how in later Jewish tradition, around the time of Jesus, uh, Phineas became a core figure 
for the more zealot movements okay. of um, of first century Jews. Okay, so because think about this. Yeah. Um. There was everything was going wrong in right. in their in their place. Like uh, there was uh, there was false idol worship happening in their camp, and no one was doing anything about it. Yeah. And so they were like, someone has got to go stick a javelin through the heart of the person causing this. Yeah. And when that happens, then the rule and reign and peace of God can come back to Israel. Okay. And our temple will get out right. of the, right, the hand right, of the Herodians right. and the, the Sadducees who are else. in the political pocket yeah. of the Romans will go down. Everything will be put right. And so that's why you have all these other precursors to Jesus who claim to be the Messiah, the new Phineas. Because they're acting like Phineas. Because they're acting like Phineas. So that's why you have the Maccabean Rebellion, right? Mm. And there are all these violent rebellions that happened that led up to Jesus. And then even about 120 years after Jesus, even more came up and had more violent rebellions because they're like, we have to put to death the people who have caused this curse in order to make Israel right with God again. Right. Which makes Jesus fundamentally different because he does not put the curse bringers to death he instead puts himself to death in place of the curse, in place of the curse bringers, yeah. which makes Jesus different than every other claim to the messianic right. uh, promises. And Phineas is actually is commended mm-hmm. for all that he did, right? Because he's exercising the Lord's justice against its proper um, the people who 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 deserve the curse. It. The curse bringers, the curse bringers, yeah. and he's promised something in return for his zeal. Yeah, something crazy. In verse thirteen, he's promised a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God. Right. So, a per- I mean, I always assumed that Aaron's family line mm. had already a perpetual covenant of uh-huh. priesthood. Right. Does that not start until now? I don't know. I'd have to look back at some of the earlier texts, but at least, at the very least, it, it's that promise continues. Right. Or it's established here. I'd have to go okay. look to answer that question. But regardless, uh, God has said there is an everlasting priesthood in Phineas that's going to go from here on, which is amazing. Perpetual different from everlasting? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> because, I mean, like, are there sons of... Phineas now that can atone for people's sins, mm. right? Like right. that doesn't. Well, I think in the same way. Think about this: that um, was Jesus descended from Melchizedek. He was in the loins. <laughs> no, he was in Abraham's loins, Abraham's not Melchizedek's. Right, right? right. And so when he when Hebrews says that, and and Psalms say yeah. that Jesus is a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek, he's not necessarily saying that he was descended from him. But that he he took up the mantle of that priest, and so in the same way, Phineas isn't isn't um, confirmed and and given his blessing because of uh, his who his granddad was. Right. He's given the blessing because of how he acted, because he did what Aaron mm. should have done, he did what Moses should have done, he did what a priest should have done, and right. so why is Jesus? How does Jesus take up this everlasting promise to Phineas? It's not by because he was a descendant of Phineas. Right, right. It's because he acted um, like like the consummate Phineas, was, right? Even better than Phineas acted, right. because he not only execute, executes God's ju- justice, but he executes it on himself. He takes the javelin right. out and he puts it in the ground and places himself on it. So what you're saying is Phineas um, isn't a priest forever because he comes from a lineage of priests that will live forever. Right. But he's a priest forever because he's acting like a true priest. Yes. In the same way, Jesus acts like a true priest for us, and he also is a priest forever, not 
by virtue just by virtue of his actions but by virtue of his nature he is eternal and omnipotent and all-powerful mm. and the ultimate head over all humanity right so when phineas acted like a priest it was for his lifespan but when jesus last acts like a priest it's eternally mm. jesus is a priest perpetually right in a way that phineas never could right because, because he died because and the priests yeah. that came after him weren't as good right right okay yeah that's good Okay, so um, the chapter 26 picks up, and it says that after the plague, um, the Lord comes to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron, and gives a very familiar command. Yes, make <laughs> right? a census. Make a census. This is, this is the exact same thing that happened in chapter 1 of Numbers, yep. and the, the point here is that now he's going to count... All the, all the people, and we're going to find that there's no one in the older generation left. Except Caleb except and Joshua. Except Caleb and Joshua. God is faithful to his promises. Mm-hmm. And here's another way he's faithful to his promises. As the tabulation comes for all the people in the younger generation, this insane number that we wrestled with several episodes right, ago right, 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 right. is still around. It's only dropped by like 2,000. So instead of 603,000 and change, it's 601,000 and change. And the point is that... God is still raised up a massive people yeah. group in the midst of all this curse and wandering. And I think later in Deuteronomy, I think it is, it's like there's all these little mini miracles happening where even the sandals of even the sandals they wear right. don't wear out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like amazing. And so it's like, how were they able to have children? I mean, mortality rates in children were so high. Back right. then, there was let alone a supernatural in, provision, that right? God let was alone providing. in the wilderness. Yeah, while you're wandering and like you're like you're living on scraps of bread, all this stuff. I'm just, it's amazing. And I to think, think the author is is aware of that mm. because what's interesting about this census that's unique from all the other census that we've read so far in the Old Testament, which is not a ton, but there's been enough of them. Yep, is that every um, uh, people group or mm-hmm. every tribe. It has an included biographical fact about the family that shows you why the next generation or how the oh, next generation survives. Right. Yep. So this is a, why... Can you read a few of them? Uh, yeah, so a, a really easy one would be uh, verse 33 because it actually gets its whole own chapter uh, in just a second. Oh, but right, right. Now, uh, Zelophehad, the son of Hafer, had no sons but daughters, and the names of his daughters were, and he, he lists the daughters, these are the clans of Manasseh. So the reason why they they do that is because it's this biographical detail that's going to link us to the next section of text that shows us that here is the new generation and has, in this situation, a new problem with it. The other one has to do with some of the descendants of Korah's family who were spared in the fire mm-hmm. uh, because they, were, they did not join in Korah's rebellion. So you have one saved, right. and then this other problem. So you have like, Blessing and then problem in the next generation, and those both will be resolved. Okay, um, let me let me see if I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying that like, the, if you're reading this and you're going, how is anyone still alive after all of this? Right. There are little biographical details in this census to show some caveats that yeah. were going on that narratively have not been revealed yet. Right to show us why. And how right. some of the younger generations survived Wait, some of these didn't catastrophic events. all the events. sons of Korah die off because right. of the thing? It's like, no, not all well, of them. Well, what died. happens when a family has daughters instead of sons? Mm-hmm. And so you have the, those are two of the largest, like 
two really big questions. Questions. Yeah. If you are a society that largely passes down its inheritance mm-hmm. to the males, and you have this huge widespread rebellion among the priestly class. Right. So like, how do the priests survive? Well, actually, not all of them rebelled. Not all of them rebelled. Yep. But what about families that don't have only daughters? Well, mm-hmm. actually, in the next chapter says daughters can inherit right. land right. just like sons can. So then, okay. what all should we be thinking about as we read through this whole census that numbers out the younger generation? And then we also get a parallel uh, from, from chapter one. And the priests are numbered as well, just mm-hmm. like they were earlier. Yep. And so we get all of them numbered. And we hear that all the older generation had died except for Joshua and Caleb. I mean, what are some things we, we, we should think about? God is faithful in both judgment and mm. salvation. Yeah. He's true to his promises. He's doing exactly what he said he would do. He's showing uh, he is not acquitting the guilty to the third and fourth generation, mm-hmm. but he's showing steadfast love to thousands of generations. His name. He's revealing his name and yeah. the fact that the older generation passes away but the newer generation gets new mercy and new measures of his grace. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the jump off point there that I would want to take it, we've already kind of covered, which is the whole just and justifier thing that, that God is, is enacting in the older and younger generation, both his promise to punish and his promise to bless, his promise to curse and his promise to bless. Um, the other thing I see here um, is also the the more biblical theological idea of a remnant, right? That yeah. that all throughout the Bible we hear about this idea of a remnant, and here is really where we a see remnant it. Remnant is basically yeah. There's a group of people within a group of people that are yes. true believers. Yes. So there's an Israel within Israel, is yep. the way that Romans 11 puts mm-hmm. it. So yep. There's this group of people within the group that are true believers, mm-hmm. and it's talked about. Israelites. Yeah, it's talked about both in a spiritual sense and in a survival sense. There's also parts talked about in the prophets where God promises a massive punishment that will come for the people of Israel, but that he will save and shelter a remnant. Mm -hmm. Or if you think about the story of Elijah, right? Whenever Elijah thinks he's all alone and he's the last prophet of God and all the other prophets have been killed and now they're going to kill him too. What does God say? I've saved a remnant of 20,000, 40,000. I can't remember the number, but there's this remnant of people that I've saved. Revelation 144,000 of the remnant at the end of the time. Right. And so throughout the Bible, God is saving a remnant both physically, right? So, or you could say spiritually, that out of all those who are punished, there is a group of people that God is saving within those mm-hmm. uh, th- those numbers within Israel. Right, the newer generation is the remnant. Right. In, in this in this phase of history, mm-hmm. within the nation of Israel, the remnant is the yep. newer generation. That's right. Um, and then that remnant also is is usually the carrier of uh, right action. That mm-hmm. they are the ones that obey God when no one else would. And we see that this remnant follows all the way through the Old Testament and is picked up by Jesus, that he is the last remaining person that is faithful to God, that could escape judgment, that yeah. would be saved and would be alone. He would, he, right. would, he would end up fulfilling Elijah's fears that yeah. no one else is left but him. But instead, this remnant ends up earning salvation for a wider swath of people than could ever be imagined. So I think there's also like this remnant idea kind of starting and catalyzing yeah. here. It might not be fully formed. Like nope. if you're going to preach a sermon on this for your youth group or who your Bible study, that's probably not the point you want to make, but mm-hmm. it's definitely where this 
it's starting. God least. is setting a precedent here that he will right. continue to repeat throughout the entire biblical narrative. Yeah. So I think it's important to notice. Um, what else? I mean, what else do you think of when you think of this census? I mean, I just think of being bored. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's absolutely like, right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. It's, it's, I mean, we talked about it. It's just hard to read. It's hard to read. I listened to it today. Yeah. And I mean, it was hard. And like my wife was trying to read a book next to me <laughs> and I felt bad for her. <laughs> Because it was like the clan and the clan and the right. clan and the clan. And again, like I think the best thing that you can do in situations like this is to skim over the details. Mm-hmm. But if you notice something unique, right, like a like a little biographic, like biographical, bi- biographical side. details, mm-hmm. like pay attention, then ask the question: Why is why that, is that there? Why is that there? Why is the pattern being broken? Right. Mm-hmm. To to record survivors of Korah and right the fact that this man has only daughters. So like, yep. I think that's the best way to deal with that. Uh, and again, the meticulous recording of the New Testament is the meticulous fulfillment of God's promises. Mm. Of, uh, you mean the, the, of the of the Bible of the Bible? Yeah. The meticulous recording here in yes, the Book of Numbers right. is the meticulous fulfillment of God's promises. Definitely, like, there's not one dot, not yes. one iota, yes. not one small number, not one person that God has forgotten as He fulfills His promises towards Israel. Okay, and so uh, to wrap up this section, we hear this story of, of a man and his daughters that we've already talked about, the daughters of, how do we end up pronouncing this? Zalafahad? Zalafahad, yeah. Right. Uh, and he had no sons he had no who sons traditionally had... would have gotten the inherited right. land or mm-hmm. whatever else. And so as they're talking about the census, uh, mm-hmm. some, and they're talking about taking a census to then go into a new land, something obviously comes up in the hubbub of the crowd, right. which is who's getting what land? Right. Like, who's going to live where? And he's like, uh, my sons weren't numbered in that, you yeah. know, because they were only counting the men. What was it, 20 and older? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, uh, my daughters don't fit those categories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't have any sons, uh, but none of them were killed in the older generation. Yeah. My daughters have been faithful. They had a promise extended to them. Is God going to be good to my promises even whenever I have a gender-excluded right. group like daughters? Right. Yeah. And so... In the ancient Near East, women would not have owned land, owned land, or, or inherited land, or inherited land, or anything like that. Right. So you have ancient custom coming up against God's promises. Mm-hmm. God's promised to give land to the nation of Israel as a whole, the right. twelve tribes of Israel as a whole. But here you have a tribal leader who has no sons mm-hmm. to pass on the land to. So God's promises are threatened by. Hit, uh, the cultural practice of the day. Right. And God says, no, my promises are not threatened by the mm. cultural practice of the day. Your daughters are allowed yeah. to own land. I love that. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's really good. Yeah. 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 I love that. And then, and then God's like, and while we're at it, let me just take it multiple steps further. Let's say you don't have any children. Right. Well, then it goes to like a brother. Yeah. Let's say you don't have a brother. Well, then it goes to the sister. What if you don't have a sister? Then it goes to the next of kin yeah. until you can find someone to take this land. Like my, you, The promise yeah. I've made towards you will not be lost. Right. There is always a contingency. Yes. There's always a contingency yeah. plan so that my promises will come true for you. Yeah, I love that. And I love that the promises of God are bigger than the social categories and limitations um, of the times. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and, 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 and so you, you think about the people Jesus went to, you know, the woman at the right. well and the woman with a bleeding condition yeah. and he doesn't offer them, um, second rate promises, right? Like you can have 
land outside the promised land yeah, or yeah. you know you can you can okay you can't have your own land but you could go live with your uncle you know like yeah it's like you get your own land right it was the promise here and like it, you, in, you're you are in inher- an equal inheritor co-heir with christ a co-heir with christ which is exactly what paul picks up mm-hmm. on the new testament it's like there's neither jew right. or gentile male, male nor, nor female. female we are all co-heirs right. co-inheritors with christ yep. which would have been as scandalous in Paul's day yep. as it would have been when uh, Numbers was written as right. well. Like women and men together inherit the kingdom of God. That's right. There's a plot of land in the kingdom, no matter how socially disenfranchised you are, which yeah. is really good news. Yes. I love that. Okay. And then this uh, chapter ends with Joshua being said that he will be the one to succeed Moses. He will uh, bear the spirit like Moses bore. He will lead the people like Moses led. And um, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about him in yeah. some future texts. So I Moses think is the last one. Of the, the last one. Of the older generation. He's the last one. Oh, other than Joshua other. and Caleb. Yes. Right. So it's like... But Moses, he disobeyed. Right. So Moses must pass away. Yes. He has to cede his... To cede? Right. Cede. Cede his authority. Authority yeah. to Joshua. Right. And so this is what's mm. happening. He's ceding... He's giving Joshua the spirit. That's yes. what it says right. here. And what's funny is that this, you mentioned Elisha already, but uh, Elijah and Elisha, but this passage becomes the pattern that Elisha and Elijah's ministry exactly. is based off of as Elijah passes. Toward the end his, of First Kings. Uh, yep. Yeah, as he passes Second uh, Kings, Second Kings 2. Well, first, end of First Kings. End of First King, and then Elisha's ministry begins. As in Elijah Kings. passes on the ministry to Elisha, yep. it parallels this passage, right. even so much so that Elijah parts. A water, the, uh-huh. the water, yep. and so does Elisha. Like yep. Moses and Joshua become the new prototypes of what prophetic succession looks yep. like. <laughs> Which is amazing. Then when we get to Jesus, right, and he did not disobey like Moses. He did not uh, end up cowering in fear and asking for his life to be taken from him like Elijah, right? And and so he did not have to cede his authority, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Jesus did not have to pass his authority on to another. Uh, but he underwent death voluntarily for us. But then whenever he was restored with his same glory after his resurrection, what does he do? He does the same thing that Moses did to Joshua and Elijah did to Elisha. He freely passes on his spirit to us. Right. And he endows us with the power that he had to carry out his ministry. And he says... Just like Moses said, hey, I led the people with miracles and we did great things. Joshua, you go do it. Elijah, you know, performed amazing miracles and now Elisha goes and does it. And then Jesus came and he operated in the power of the spirit and did amazing things. And now he gives us his spirit. And now we are the succeeders, the successors, the, (laughs) that's a weird, yeah, of of Jesus's authority. That's exactly right. And I think Jesus was not given his authority, but Mm -hmm. there was a ceremony where there of succession right where jesus is baptized at yes. the jordan river the holy spirit falls on him and he's commissioned just like it says in verse 19 and 27 make uh him meaning joshua stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation and you shall commission him in their sight and you shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people may obey and this is exactly what happens mm-hmm. in uh when Jesus is baptized and the Holy right. Spirit falls on him, he's commissioned in front of the people so that they might obey him. This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. It's the conferring of the authority of God, mm-hmm. the authority of one of the ultimate priest on his son. Yeah. And how yeah. amazing is it that it happened at the Jordan river? Because that's where the people are here in this story. Yeah. That's where Elijah is when he passes off, uh, 
his power to Elisha, and it's where Jesus is whenever he is commissioned to be a priest, and then he passes it on to us, and we meet him at that place in the waters of baptism. Anyway, there's so many cool stuff. There's so much cool stuff happening here. So, anyway, that kind of wraps up this section of the census and the new generation, and really most of the narrative. Uh, yep, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of laws coming up to end yeah. numbers, there's a, which is supposed to kick off another cycle. That's actually right, right? There's because every cycle, yep, every cycle end. begins with laws, commands. Yeah, and so the question comes: If you're reading this in a cycle, the new generation comes. Oh, I'm hearing commands. What's going to come next? Is it disobedience, punishment, intercession, or is it going to be right. something new? You have this new intercessor, mm-hmm. Eleazar. Eleazar. You have a new intercessor, Joshua. Joshua. So we expect after the old nation has passed away, a new set of laws to correct some of the sins of the old generation. A new intercessor. And then we're going to see after those laws, will the new generation hold Mm -hmm. up? Right. And so uh, we'll we'll start peeking into those next week. Uh, But until then, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, This has been fun. And we're signing off from the the basement cave of Kansas City. And the next time you hear Seth and I, we will be in two different cities for the first time. So sad. So that'll be interesting. So hopefully... The chemistry is still there. (laughs) But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com. Spoken Gospel.